Well, it may be cold outside, but it is warm in our hearts today. It has warmed my hearts to see you here this morning. I love the background Pastor Dustin has up there today. Uh, it reminds me that everywhere is cold today. Uh, I have a daughter that my youngest is leaving her older sister in Florida this morning and flying back to Chicago today. What a, an awakening she's getting. But it's, a, it's cold in Florida today, 60 degrees. So cold, so cold. Um, going to negative. It doesn't get above zero in Chicago today, uh, much like where we are. But uh, I am grateful that you're here. Um, good to be in the room with you all. I mean, this is real. The real Christians are, right? I mean, they're right here in the room. I'm just kidding. For those of you that are about to tune off online, we're so glad you're with us this morning. Um, I know the, the Chiefs uh, last night, you're probably a little excited about that because they won the game. I'll give you just your second of applause and then that's it. Uh, no more than that. Um, let me share with you uh, this morning um, just a quick message that my friend who pastors in Nampa, Idaho, it must be snowing there today. This was his message to um, his people in his church. It says, if your church, if your church chose to close today because of the snow, it's because they love you. If your church chose to stay open today, even with the snow, it's because they love you. Whether you choose to go to church today despite the snow or stay home because of the snow, Jesus loves you and the church loves you. And whether, whether people choose to worship in person or online today, it is not an indicator of their faith, but of their location. Whatever you choose to do today, love your church, love your pastors. I like that part. Love your pastors, worship Jesus, and check on your neighbors. And on this Martin Luther King holiday weekend, uh, when it's about serving, um, what a great thing to be reminded of. May we serve our neighbors. May we check in on our neighbors. May we make sure that they're, they're okay and they're doing good today. Hope you're warm in your home from your pajamas this morning. Uh, we're glad you're with us today as well, but it's good to be in the room. We didn't know what to expect, um, but we thought, hey, we just wanna, if we get an opportunity to worship, uh, we thought if the Chiefs can do it last night, we can do it in here this morning. So uh, we're excited to be here uh, with everyone today. We're in a series, second week called The Intentional Year. This is not a series, if you're joining us uh, today, about uh, New Year's resolutions. Uh, about 50% of us have broken them already. 50% uh, of us didn't make New Year's resolutions to begin with. Um, and by the end of the year, it says only 1% of people will have accomplished their New Year's resolution. So this is for the 99% of us. If you're that 1%, first of all, we don't like you as I I said last week uh, number two is we still love you you're still there's still a place for you to belong um, here but this is not about uh, new year's res resolutions this morning this is something much different uh, than that it's about simple rhythms for finding freedom peace and purpose uh, this is what this series is about and when I say simple simple doesn't mean easy um, Jesus said, deny yourself, pick up your cross every day and follow me. Those are simple instructions. Those aren't easy things to live out. Simple does not mean easy. But if you desire to have more freedom and peace and purpose in your life, and can I just be your pastor and friend uh, just for a moment? Can I just be your friend this morning? I, I just, if your pastor's heart is this, is I want these things for you. I want these things for me. I want these things for you. I want for these things for you watching online. I want you to have more freedom. 
I want you to have freedom from sin. I want you to have freedom from guilt, freedom from shame, freedom from resentment and bitterness, uh, freedom from your past. I want you to experience peace with God, peace with, in, in your mind, knowing that he's your savior and he's Lord. And I want you to discover your God-given purpose. Uh, the apostle Paul said these words, that you are God's masterpiece. Each of us are God's masterpiece, he said, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Long before we were ever born, God created us on purpose for a purpose, and he created us to do good things for him. But we get away from that plan. Our sin interrupted that plan, but God's plan is to redeem us, to restore us, to bring us back to him. My prayer for us today, my prayer for you each and every week, the reason I stand here each and every Sunday is I want these things for us. I want these things for you. I want you to have freedom. I want you to have peace and want you to have purpose. It's why we actually pray a prayer at the end of our service every week is because it's the starting place of freedom, freedom in Christ. It's the starting place of peace with God and peace with ourselves. It's the starting place of purpose. So we pray a prayer at the most services at the end of our service, an invitation inviting Jesus to become our freedom, our peace, and help us to discover our purpose. But this series is about God has more. And it's not always through doing more, it's actually less is more. It's through doing less. And so today on this second Sunday, I just wanna share with you that first of all, that there's two plans for our lives. Every single one of us, there are two plans. The enemy has a plan for you and God has a plan for you. The enemy's plan for you is this. The thief, the enemy comes, he, he does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the, the enemy's plan for us. That's the enemy's plan for you. He wants to kill. He wants to kill your dreams. He wants to kill, uh, he wants to kill your relationships. He wants to destroy. He wants to destroy everything that is good. He wants, to, he wants you to be stuck in bondage to sin and brokenness. He doesn't want you, he, his life, his mission is to destroy our very lives. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. God wants us to have more. Um, he doesn't want us to just survive. He wants us to thrive. Jesus doesn't want to just save us so we can survive. He wants to save us from sin so that we can thrive, so we can become all that he wants us to be. In my heart, honestly, um, you know, I've shared with you my hopes as your pastor. Here's what I grieve as your pastor. I grieve when you are not living in that freedom that God has, has given us. I grieve when you're not experiencing the peace that he wants you to have. I, I grieve when your relationships, when they're, they're broken and they're hurt and, and, and when there's unforgiveness and there's resentment and I grieve when there's addiction. I, I grieve when those things in your life that the enemy's plans for you is that. Even as you confess Jesus Christ as your savior, Jesus has so much more for you. And I grieve when we don't allow him to have more of us. And the reason we come here each and every week, the reason we read our Bibles, the reason that we pray is because we want more of Jesus, because we want more of his freedom. We want more of his peace. We want more of the purpose that he has for us, the good things that he has for us to do. I grieve when we aren't living in that freedom. And I, I grieve that so much of our world is living in this today. 
I, I was reading some things in the last couple weeks about um, the, the, the anxiety of our young people uh, between the ages of 18 and 35. And I see some of those between the ages of 18 and 35. I, I, I know it probably was the same back then. I just think it's different. I just think it's harder today for our young people than it was when I was a young person. And 18 to 35 year olds uh, are experiencing so much anxiety uh, from the decisions that they have to make. They're, 49% are facing an incredible amount of anxiety over a fear of their failures. They're, they're afraid of the failures. They're, they're afraid of the future. 45% are, are concerned about their future. They're worried about their future. As, as a dad that has a couple in this age group, this is tender to my heart. Uh, I, I know that there's, there's this anxiety. And, and say maybe once you arrive and you get there, as you get to the big boy and big girl world, uh, it's, it's like my daughter's fine that out I mean she just wants to be a kid again you know it's just there's a part of you that wants to when you arrive that there's so many that are dealing with burnout and you're stressed to the hilt and, and you're burning out because you're 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 doing it everything on you're burning the candle at both ends uh, especially there's um, it's it's really epidemic it's amongst everyone but there's some higher percentage amongst educators and teachers and healthcare professionals, it's even higher for them. Even in, in my vocation, it grieves me when I've seen some pastor friends of mine and colleagues in the last couple of years quit, uh, not because of moral failure, but because they were just burnt out. Um, there's a t- statistic that says that 38% of pastors considered quitting this last year. That number actually goes up if you're under the age of 45. Whew. Uh, if, you're, if you're under the age of 45, that, that goes up to 45% of pastors under the age of, uh, of, under the age of 45 had considered quitting this last year. It, so it's, it's universal. It's not, it's not um, it, it doesn't discriminate. All of us face the pressures and anxieties and the things of this world. And yet God has this rhythm. He wants us to have life and he wants to have us more abundantly. He wants more for us. And I believe this. Jesus, uh, the apostle Paul said, now to him, Jesus, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. God has more for us. I believe that God has more than just to save us. I believe he wants us to experience more freedom. He wants us to experience more peace this year. He wants us to discover our God-given purpose and potential to the youngest person in here, to the oldest person in here. If, you, if you're not dead, you're not done. God's not done with you. It doesn't matter what age you are. God wants you to have more purpose, more peace, more freedom in him. And he, and he did some things to create, and we're gonna single in on some, a few things in this series, these rhythms that God has created for us that started in the very beginning. I'm gonna talk about a rhythm that started from the very beginning in Genesis chapter two, at the beginning of creation, in chapter one, God had created everything. He created then uh, the, human, the human race. That was the last thing he said, hey, he created everything, he said it's good. And then when he created man and, and, and woman, he said it is very good. I mean, God was impressed when he made us. And at the end, in, in chapter two, at the beginning of that, it says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their, all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. 
Jesus, uh, or, or the heavenly father, he rested from his work of creation. He didn't rest because he was weary or because he was tired. He didn't rest because he was burnt out. Uh, scripture is clear to say that our God, Isaiah said, he does not grow t- uh, weary or tired. Uh, we grow weary and tired because we're human. God does not grow weary or tired. Uh, the psalmist said that he neither sleeps nor slumbers. God is always present. God is always alive at his full capacity. He wasn't resting because he was tired or he was weary. He was resting because he wanted to take a moment and enjoy his creation. He wanted to enjoy all that his hands had made and created. He wanted to enjoy us, his created. God took a moment to rest because he wanted to enjoy us. He wasn't, now he wasn't done creating. It wasn't like he was, you know, he got to the seventh day and he was like, I'm done and God's just been on vacation ever since. No, God's still at work today. I'm reminded today and I'm encouraged by this today as we sang some of the songs that we sang today. In my father's house, there is many rooms. If that were not so, Jesus said, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? God's at work. God is creative. I mean, it's in his nature. He made us in his image. That's why we like to create. That's like why we like to build. That's like why we like to do stuff because we're made in the image of God. He created us this way and he's at work today. Verse two says, going back to verse two, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing and on the seventh day, he rested from his work. God at the very beginning, established a rhythm, a rhythm that he meant for us to maintain. We know this because later on, uh, long be, this was happened long before this became a law, but later God instituted the 10 commandments. And one of those 10 commandments was honor the Sabbath day. Remember the Sabbath day because it's holy. Some would say in the New Testament, we're not gonna go into this deep today, but some would say in the New Testament that, that you know, God kind of did away with and Jesus kind of did away with the, uh, the, the, the Sabbath and with this day of rest. And because the Pharisees and the religious leaders had perverted the Sabbath, they had turned the Sabbath into something that was supposed to be rest and they turned what was supposed to be rest and turned it into a burden. And they had all these laws that went with it, all these to-do lists, all these things that you had to do. And they made what was supposed to be rest, what was supposed to replenish, and they made a burden on the people. And Jesus came forward and said, you know, no, the Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for us, not us made for the Sabbath. And Jesus said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the one that created it. And Jesus was really saying, I'm Sabbath. I am the start and the beginning of rest. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. In me, you will find rest. And he didn't do away with the the Sabbath. He just said, hey, it's meant to serve us, not us serve the Sabbath. And Paul went on to say later, you know, some of you will um, consider the Sabbath very holy and sacred. Others consider every day uh, like they're all alike. There's no difference between the two. And Paul wasn't saying there's one was right or, or the other. He was saying that each must determine in his own heart, but God made the Sabbath for us. He created this rhythm. Clear back at the beginning of creation, he created Sabbath. And Sabbath in its simplest form means to stop, to cease, desist, 
to pause, to rest. It means to just stop. And I know that sometimes we can maybe think, man, I got too much to do. This sounds wonderful for God because God finished his work. He completes what he starts. He finishes it, you know, but we're not God. And you know what? There's not enough hours in the week to get it done. 168 hours in the week is not enough for me. There's more to do. There's always more to do. So we always feel like we have to get on the hamster wheel and we got to do more if we can just get a little bit more done. And then for those of us that don't feel like we have to maybe get stuff done, let you just, because you're created in God's image, you enjoy creating. You, you enjoy work. And there's some of us that just enjoy working and it's, it's, you'll, you'll do it over and over and be, not because you have to, but because you want to. Regardless, there's this rhythm that God creates called Sabbath and it's, it was really commanded by him, but it was commanded because he loves us. And he wants us to take a moment to pause and to stop and, and to rest. It's called Sabbath. But will we trust him, in, him for this? Verse 3, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. God does three things when he creates the Sabbath. Three things. He blesses it, he sanctified it, and then he rested from it. He blesses, he sanctifies, and he rests. Uh, first of all, he, he rests. Uh, blessed, I know sometimes we overuse this word blessed. I mean, if you get a front row parking spot at Dillon's, you're like, I'm so blessed. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just trivial things sometimes that we say, I'm so blessed because, you know, hey, I got that, you know, I got this. Or blessing is so much more than that. To have blessed is to have divine, divine favor. Uh, divine favor of, of, of a peace and a joy, uh, a, a prosperity. Not, not the prosperity that we think in the American way of, of a, you know, you, you, prosperity gospel or those things, not that, but a prospering of our soul. That's the primary thing that God is after. He wants us to have our souls to be blessed, our souls to be refreshed, our souls to prosper. And uh, the third John uh, 1, 2 says, I pray that you may prosper in all things and in health just as your soul prospers. This is actually a prayer that most of us pray, unknowingly or knowingly. We all pray this prayer every day, don't we? We all pray that God would prosper us in all things and in our health. It's not a bad prayer. It's something I, we, Heather and I pray for our daughters. We pray for that God would bless them in all things. Uh, God would bless them with the desires of their heart as they desire a future husband, that God would bless them with that, that God would, that God would bless them physically with their jobs, with their relationships. We all, as parents and grandparents, we, we pray those prayers. Nothing wrong with those prayers. But the most important thing is that your soul prospers. We pray more than anything that our daughter's souls prosper. In fact, a few verses down, I don't have it in there today, but a few verses down from this, it says that I have no greater joy, John says, than to see that my children are walking in the truth. 
No greater joy than to see my children are following Jesus. Now, when John's talking about his children, he's talking about the church. He's not talking about kids that he has. He was talking about you and me and those who are listening to his words. He said, I have no greater joy than that, that their souls prosper, that they're walking in the truth. We have no greater joy than our daughters walk in the truth, that their soul prospers because let's face it, this world because it's broken, because sin entered into it, because death was brought into our world. This world has heartache. This world has pain. This world has setbacks. Good things happen to good people and bad people. Bad things happen to good people and bad people. And by the way, we're all bad because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need his grace. But the soul... When there's a peace, no matter the circumstance, I, I know he's probably watching online um, today, but Paul and Bev Mendoza, uh, those of you who've been here for, uh, for a long time, know them very, very well. Just great, great, awesome people of our church. I love Paul and Bev, and we love you today as we pray for you, but Paul called me Thursday and let me know that he's going on hospice, that he's at the end of the road of what doctors and nurses, physicians, medical science and technology can do. They're gonna cease uh, going those avenues. It'll be a divine miracle for him. And we believe that God performs and can do divine miracles. But what I sensed in Paul, as we kind of, some of you that fall in the 21 days of prayer this week, God, uh, Paul is more after the healer than he is after the healing. He's, he and Bev are more pursuing the healer than they are the healing. And honestly, it kind of took my breath away. I knew his journey and where he was at and the ups and downs. But in my mind, it wasn't the news that we, I was thinking of. And I literally sat on, uh, sat on the other line for a few seconds, kind of speechless. And I, the first words that came out of my mouth was, Paul, I don't know what to say. This is not the news that I was expecting or hoping. And the first words out of Paul's mouth were, Pastor, it's okay. Bev and I are okay. And his concern went to his Sunday school class and his family. He said, would you pray for my family and would you pray for my classmates, his classmates? Would you pray for them? I'm okay. Because you see, Paul's soul prospers. Bev's soul prospers. Doesn't mean good things always happen, but it, what's the most important thing is in the ups and downs of this life is that our soul prospers. God blessed the Sabbath day. He blessed it and he wants it to, us to have it so that our souls will prosper. The second thing he did is he sanctified it. Well, that's a, sanctified. That's a, just a big word for being set apart for being a set aside as special. Um, it, it was made, God made this day special than all the others. Of all the seven days he created, he made the Sabbath day. He set it apart. He set it apart for the purpose in the same way that God wants to sanctify us. He wants to sanctify us to set us apart for his special purpose. If you watch the 21 days of prayer this week, uh, be, so we can be fine china and, and not every day throw away plastic silverware and paper plates 
God made all of us to be fine china. He has more for us. Paper plates, they serve their purpose, but God has more for us. He wants to do more in our lives than what we even know. And he set the seventh day aside apart for us. And he set it aside as special. And he really made it uh, simply the best day of the week. He made it simply the best. Better than all the rest. Better than anything anyone has ever meant. I can go full on Tina Turner with you right now. Because God went full on Tina Turner with us. He set it apart. He made it simply the best. He sanctified it. He made it special. God, I want to say it this way. God paused to delight in his creation. This is the reason. He, didn't, he wasn't weary. He wasn't tired. God paused to delight in his creation. Then God established Sabbath for us, for us to pause and delight in our creator, his people, and his creation. Today is what you're doing right now. We are taking time to pause, to stop. Whether you're online or whether you're in here in this room, you're taking time to stop and pause, to worship, to delight in our creator, to delight in his people, uh, to delight in his creation, which, which is more the creation we wanna be at probably right now than the one that's outside. But we're, that's what God created Sabbath for. He wants us to stop, to cease, to pause, but we're not very good pausers. We're not very good stoppers. We're not very good ceasers. Uh, the American way and the American dream is you gotta do more to get ahead. You gotta keep going. You gotta keep pressing. You gotta keep, there's more work to be done. Don't be lazy. Don't stop. God established this for his delight, but he also established it for our delight in our creator, his people, and his creation. And lastly, he rested on it. Sabbath in its simplest form is stopping. You had other things you can do this morning. Despite the weather, there's things that probably you could do today. But you stop to pause. You stop to rest. It's not being lazy. In fact, it's, a, it's a something that God not only desires for us and wants for us, he really commanded us to it, but he wants it to know that it's for our purpose, for our benefit. Uh, there was a study done in Loma Linda, California of a, a church that you may be familiar with, the Seventh-day Adventists. Seventh-day Adventists um, follow the Sabbath of what it was in Jesus's day. We celebrate the first day of the week when Jesus was resurrected, when he rose from the grave. We celebrate the first day of the week. But Sabbath was Saturday. And uh, so much, I'm not gonna get into Seventh-day Adventists today. Uh, they're believers in Jesus. They have a few differences here and there. Um, we highlight what we agree on, not what we disagree on. But it's so important to them that they created their whole church and movement around Sabbath rest, the seventh day of rest. And that for them, it's Saturday. And there was a study done on, there's a high population of Seventh-day Adventists in Loma Linda, California. I've been there because it's also the place of Richard Nixon. Um, he probably could use some rest um, to think mentally and stuff better. I'm not getting into politics, that's not good. Um, never win with politics, never win, never win. Seventh day, can't never win, never win. Seventh day Adventist. Um, they did a study comparing them and Loma Linda, the rest of California. The Seventh day Adventist in Loma Linda, California lived on an average over the rest of the state of California four to 10 years longer than everyone else. Because God created us to stop, to rest, to cease. 
it's not being lazy. So I wanna, I've kind of laid out a little bit of the outline of it. I wanna get practical with you before we leave this morning about Sabbath today, what Sabbath is. Uh, first of all, we talked about it. Sabbath is the intentionally, it's intentionally stopping. And that's hard for us to do. It's hard for us to stop. There's, if it's not work, there's something to do at home. There's always something more to do. It's intentionally stopping. It's intentionally trusting because when we stop, we're actually trusting God and not trusting ourselves. When we just power through, we're saying, you know what, God, I don't trust you with this. Uh, I got too much to do. Do you see my calendar? Do you see my schedule? I cannot do this. I can't afford to stop. I can't afford to take a break. Too much needs to be done for my family. Too much needs to be done at work. I got too much to do, God. And we, it's, a, it's a matter of trusting. Sabbath is a matter of trusting him. And Sabbath is a matter of preparing there's preparation that takes place to have Sabbath. Just like when you go on vacation, you know in the office there's extra work that has to be done to get ready to go and enjoy the vacation. If not, you don't enjoy it. You set up the out-of-office out email. You might set your text where people know, if you've, especially if you're high on the responsibility side and you feel responsibility when someone texts you, you gotta reply to them right back. I mean, that's kind of where I fall sometimes in line, depending on the situation. But you, you have to set up measures to, to prepare yourself for that. I've shared this every January, probably for the last five or six years, maybe the whole time since I've been here. It's a rhythm uh, that I learned from one of my mentors, Pastor Ray Johnson in Sacramento. And he talks about this. I just like to hit this at least once a year, just a rhythm to get into, to divert daily, withdraw weekly, and abandon annually. Uh, we've been this week diverting daily. So when you stop every day and take some time, maybe start your morning, give God the first 15 of your day. Uh, maybe it's been for this series, uh, this season of time to stop and pause and give God uh, some special time of prayer in the 21 days of prayer when we stop. And it's not easy to do. There's always something to be done. But to divert daily, to take a moment in your day where you stop, and maybe it's at lunch, maybe it's in your morning, maybe it's at night, but I, I think one of the best ways we can do is give God the first of our day as, as like we tithe our money to him and give him the first. We tithe our day to him. We give him our first. We say, God, I trust you. We divert daily. We with uh, some of those things that you divert daily is I've been excited to hear so many of talk about the Bible recap you know diverting daily in God's word I've heard others of you talk about uh, through the word uh, and how you're going through one chapter a day at a time but you're taking time to stop and daily divert this is today is about withdrawing weekly I'm not going to hit on a, a banyan annually that's you know vacation and things but withdraw weekly uh, the Sabbath that God created for us Sabbath rest and there's a couple questions as you think on the practical side of things. I, I hope we know and see the importance. Uh, one is the alternative is to burn out. If you don't, takes not the word. If you don't receive from God his blessing, his sanctifying of a day to set apart, to to rest, to, to say, God, it doesn't make any sense. I got too much to do, but God, I trust you that you can do more with my 90% than I can do with my 100%. You can do more when I stop and cease and rest. But there's gotta be some practical questions. So I wanna lead us through a few practical questions. If you're taking notes, you can write down if you want to. First is you have to decide what day. What day of the week is your Sabbath gonna be? 
I can tell you Sunday is not my Sabbath day of rest. Most of the other pastors, Sabbath is not for them on Sundays. For many of you, many of us, Sabbath, maybe it starts on Saturday night and we go through Sunday afternoon or maybe it's all day Sunday and, and worship is a part of it. You have to decide what day. Secondly, you have to decide how long. Remember, Jesus said, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. It's not about a legalistic uh, have to. It's a you get to. This is something God wants for you. So you have to decide how long. For some of us, it might be the 24 hours. We start on, you know, Friday night and go through Saturday afternoon. For others, it may be, hey, I'm, I'm gonna take six hours on Sunday, you know, or I'm gonna take eight hours. It, it may be different for different stages of life that you're in, but you have to decide how long am I gonna do it? When will I withdraw? When will I do it? Um, I just kind of answered that question, so we won't spend too much time on it. Um, I got something to share with you at the end of an example of someone, and they decide when to withdraw. What, what, when's the best time to do that? What will I do? What will I do? Will I, part of your Sabbath for maybe some of you I'm seeing probably is, hey, I'm gonna come to church. I'm going to enjoy, I'm gonna stop and enjoy my creator in worship, I'm gonna stop and enjoy his people. I may take a walk later in the day as a, as a way of enjoying his creation. I may stop and, and gather with friends. Uh, you gotta decide what we'll do. For some of you, you're going, man, to gather with friends energizes me. It, it is Sabbath rest, it, it, it lights my fire. For others, you's like, I don't wanna see another person. I want solitude. It's, there's no right or wrong on this, but you have to decide, first of all, what will I do on Sabbath rest? And then, what will I cease doing? Because if we're truly gonna stop, we gotta cease from some things that are some rhythms that are throwing us off, off track from being replenished in our spirits and our minds, our bodies and our souls. I, I know one of those things for me is this, is we're so addicted to this so addicted to the news, so addicted to, to social media that it's hard to set this down. And so this falls around even, if we're, my encouragement is take some time to set this down. Maybe set aside six hours or eight hours or maybe 24 hours where you just say, I'm gonna send a message out, uh, you know, when it replies, let it, it's on drive, letting people know that I'm not responding right now. Or maybe you do it for eight hours. And I just... I use this as an example because I know how it is in our lives. I, I know how I see it in so many others' lives. And if, if we can't set this down for six or eight hours, maybe it's become an idol. Maybe it's become a, a God to us, small g God to us. It's, be, it's become more important than him. But to, to maybe to, to do something different, Romans 12, one says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. This world has a pattern for you. The enemy has a pattern for you. Do not conform, Paul says, to the pattern of this world. What are you gonna cease to do? Maybe it's a to-do list. Maybe it's chores. Maybe it's setting up where you're gonna take a break and get your preparation done and cook meals ahead of time. For others of you, it's like, I love to cook meals. And we love, we come together, we'll cook together. We'll have, a, everything's different. But what will I cease doing in order to make room for God? It's why in 21 days of prayer and fasting, one of the things that we, the reason you fast is it's to make room for God. It's to cease from doing something so you'll be more hungry for him. So you're more thoughtful and conscious of him. When we maybe take a little Sabbath rest from this each week, it helps us to not be dependent on it and maybe be more dependent on God.
Sabbath preparations, just a few things. Um, remove some obstacles. I uh, talked about maybe dinner. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this one. Uh, for some of you, it's like, man, it's fun to cook dinner together. For others, it's like, man, I cook all week. It might take some preparation to say, hey, I'm gonna, we're gonna do some easy, simple meals that we'll have ready for the next day. So we're not constantly doing, some, there's preparations to make Sabbath work and make it work well. Just like vacation, to be a great vacation, there's some planning that goes in, into it. I wanna hit a few practical more things and we're almost done. What Sabbath is and isn't. Sabbath is not vacation. Sabbath is not being selfish. Sabbath is not being lazy. Sabbath is abiding in God's presence. Sabbath is stopping the, the rat race that we're in, pausing to say, I trust you. I know you love me so much. You're gonna take care of me. I, I trust you to take care of me. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna cease. I'm gonna desist. I'm gonna take rest because I don't want the other. I don't want the burnout. I want the blessing." He blessed it, but we can't live in that blessing if we're burnt out, if we're burning the candles from both ends. And so I just share with you today as the Dustin comes up here today and plays a little bit this morning before we close. This is uh, the writer of these books, the book Intentional Year, Holly and Glenn Packiam. I just wanna read a couple paragraphs as an example of their Sabbath. They write a typical Sabbath in this season begins with Glenn and me sneaking out of the house early in the morning for a date at a local coffee shop down the road. We get back mid-morning as the kids are just getting up for the day and we all enjoy a leisurely breakfast of eggs, pancakes, bacon, toast, and coffee. Then we create space for some family devotions. Sometimes we'll worship together and watch a Bible project video on the, on the book of the Bible. And the middle part of the day usually involves each of us spending some alone time, maybe with God. And then we'll all do something together like hiking or playing a game. And as evening approaches, we'll gather for dinner in a time of reflecting on a day or week. And we might end the day with a family movie, a time of intentional rest. How much better would our families be if we listen to God's rhythms and God's plans? I, I wanna not anyone feel guilty today when they hear that because it might seem ideal to you. They also shared that this is the season of life that they're in that when they had little toddlers and they were little, <laughs> Sabbath looked a lot different. Sabbath is gonna look a lot different if you're in a season of singleness right now. It's gonna look different for you and what you want it to be. It's gonna look different on different stages of our life, different personalities, the way that God's made us. But the important thing is God made Sabbath for us, for our benefit, so that we might enjoy our creator, that we might enjoy his people, that we might enjoy his creation. And it actually, studies will show this, when we take time to rest, we actually become more productive, not less productive. When we take a moment to pause and to reflect and to, to take time to trust in God's provision, we actually will find that we're more productive, not less productive. It, God has a rhythm and a plan. The question is, will we trust him? The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have life to the full. God's rhythms is calls for an intentionality. Um, I don't know who said this. Uh, it might've been Howard Hendricks. But he said, if, 
if the devil can't make you bad he'll just make you busy because it accomplishes the same thing it drives you farther away from him if he can't make you bad he'll just make you busy because it accomplishes the same thing it it takes you away from the presence of God Sabbath is about enjoying uh, his favor it's about getting into the rhythms that he has for us and I'm going to share a prayer of invitation in just a moment I'm actually going to invite you to stand as we close out the service today I remind you of what I said at the beginning My, my prayer and my hope for you as your pastor is that you have peace that you have freedom that you find your God-given purpose that you see that God has so much more for you than, than what we have right now God has more for all of us He has more for me, He has more for you but sometimes we stunt that by not taking time to enjoy His rest and His invitation so I'm going to invite you in a, in a moment I'm going to invite you in a prayer of invitation that we pray at the end but right now I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads so you can have a moment with God so you can pause with God this is just you and God right now block everyone else out just you and God taking a moment to pause and be in his presence before I give an invitation as we pray a prayer of invitation to receive Jesus Christ as Lord because the starting point of that rest Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath because Jesus is where we enter into that rest He is the rest for our souls. He is the one who refreshes us. He's the one that replenishes us. But that beginning point, that starting point is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know where you are in your life right now on this second Sunday in January, but I believe God wants to draw near to you, that God wants to restore you, refresh you, renew you, but that begins with a relationship with him. We have all different ages. We have our kids with us in here today. It doesn't matter what age you are. Young people, kids, listen to me. I, I know you're capable of hearing my voice and hearing the voice of God because I responded to the love of Jesus Christ when I was 10 years old. I went into my parents' bedroom. I asked them to pray for me and I made the best decision in my life when I was 10 to ask Jesus to come into my heart and my life. For my, for my wife, she went into the kitchen. She asked her mother to pray with her when she was five. I know you can, a five-year-old can make a decision to follow Jesus. For my dad, it was 19 years old when he was confused, when he didn't know what his, he was working worried and anxious about his future he was afraid and fearful of his of of what was ahead of him and he gave his life to Jesus Christ and it brought into his life freedom peace and purpose for my grandmother was 28 years old when she had little ones and she didn't she was living a certain life and she gave her life to Jesus and for years later she prayed 50 years for my grandpa but when my grandpa was 72 and in the last year of his life he gave his life to Jesus I don't care how old you are today. You can make that decision if you're five. I don't care if this is your first time here. You can make that decision today. If this is your first time watching, you can make this decision today. And I don't care if you've been here a thousand times. Going to church does not save us. You may know the rules and you may know the language. You may be familiar with how everything works. But what we need is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus doesn't come to condemn us. He's inviting us 
He never forces anyone. He always, it's always an invitation. Sabbath is not a forceful thing. It's an invitation to experience his love. Today, would you enter that Sabbath rest? Your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, but today, maybe you're a young kid, maybe you're a middle-aged adult, maybe you're like my grandpa, but today, God's talking to you. He's inviting you to experience his peace, his freedom, his purpose. Just raise your hand.